on, come on, come on, come on. If you would stand to your feet and grab your scriptures. Now, today is a little different. We don't have our typical uh, four by six type uh, note card. I had a lot to give y'all on today, so we had to get a full sheet of paper. Amen, somebody. But we're beginning our new series, uh, Financially Fit to Finish. It's falling in line with our annual theme, which is Fit to Finish. And so we're kicking off the month of November looking at our finances. Amen. Make my monitor on stage a little hotter. I need to hear myself a little clearer. Amen. Because I may be preaching to myself today. Amen. But we're going to keep it going. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to highlight just a few verses beginning at verse 10. And uh, I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Philippians chapter 4. Even as I do that, pause for just a moment. These notes are also digitally uploaded to the YouVersion Bible app. Just go to the Bible app, click, click in the bottom right, three tabs. It'll bring up live events. Click on Greater Bethlehem, and you can download a digital copy of our notes for today. All right, Philippians 4, beginning at verse 10. Those that have found it, say, I've got it. Listen as I read from the Christian Standard Bible. Verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and how, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Paul says again, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. We're going to speak from the topic experiencing contentment. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heads about, eyes are closed. Father God, we are grateful for this tremendous privilege you have afforded us on today. Father, we don't take it for granted that as a people we have a place that we can come and worship and experience fellowship with one another. We don't take it for granted that you've blessed Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church the way you have. We don't take it for granted. So, Father, we begin this prayer with, with a heart of gratitude, an expression of thanks for your goodness to every single one of us. Father, things may not be as we have desired, but we're grateful that they're as well as they are. And so, Father, we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor. Now, Father, as we... Look at this word on today. We're asking, Lord, that you speak to each of our hearts, specifically as it relates to our finances. Father, every single person that hears me now has room for growth in this area. So I pray, Father, that we would humble ourselves and receive the word from you. Father, use me in spite of me. Use me uh, because of me. Use me, Father, for your glory. We want to make sure that we walk out of here better prepared to handle our finances. We glorify you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, let everybody say amen. amen. Come on, say amen again. Amen. Thank you so much, ushers. 
Thank you so much, AV and music. So our topic is experiencing contentment, experiencing contentment. I want to give us a message moment that's at the top of your notes, and it says this. The world has misled us to believe that excess is success. The world has misled us to believe that excess is success. Will you join me in testifying? When I was a boy, I grew up in a single parent home. And in my upbringing, my, my mother was committed to ensuring a certain standard of living for my brother and for me. Oftentimes, she worked one, two jobs, being an entrepreneur business owner on one hand and then doing everything she could on the other hand to ensure that her children didn't look like they came from a single-parent household. Do I have a witness up in here? She refused to accept. She refused to receive. She refused to believe that her children had to live subpar because they grew up in a single parent home. But in doing so, my brother and I then embraced this philosophy that good, uh, let me rephrase that, that good enough was not good enough. And so what it did is it created this materialistic bent that my brother and I both embrace. And since I'm preaching, let me just testify for me. Amen. And so we in our minds had to have the best. So here I am, beloved, a minimum wage job shopping in Neiman Marcus. Y'all going to help me preach this up in here. Somebody just said something. It was funny, I'm sure. And I don't know who can testify with me, but as a result of the upbringing, I had this, this desire that uh, although I didn't have much, I wouldn't look like I didn't have much. And so I began to perform. I'm testifying. I, I began to perform so that others would be misled into believing that I had more than I actually had. I know who I'm teaching this morning. And, and so as a consequence, this mentality, this, this spiritual force has followed me throughout my young adult years into manhood. And y'all, here is... Here is where I had my breakthrough. We had recently become the pastor of Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church. And I wanted to be closer to the church. So I began to say, you know, we need a new house. How many of you know the need didn't go with new house? Y'all going, I'm, I'm, I'm coming down your block. And, 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 and so we, we, we went through the process of having uh, a discussions. And I, I remember Nicole would just ask, now, 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 why is it that we need an uptown townhouse that's very likely four times the cost of our current house? And I began to catalog and chronicle the why. 
It would put me closer to the church and closer to the hospitals and it would allow me to host people here closer from the church at the house and, and if we had more room and a centralized location, it would... Uh, and how many of you know the look that your spouse gives when they know... I got two hands. God bless you, Mark. Yeah, God bless you. And here is, here, is, here, here is what I want you to write down. And here is something that I realized. I wanted to buy a new house because I could. Oh. Y'all going to miss the whole sermon right there. I wanted to buy a new house because I could. We buy because we can. Help me, Holy Spirit. We buy because we can. And this situation, this thinking, this philosophy, this materialistic drive that excess equates to success, it has driven many, if not most of us, into a level of indebtedness that we cannot seem to overcome. And so Paul wants us to understand, child of God, when you allow the Spirit of God to center you in the area of your contentment, you'll discover that all that stuff will start falling off. But I got to come down your block, beloved, because there are what I call contentment killers. Oh, get that down. There are contentment killers that literally push us farther than we really want to go. What are you talking about, contentment killers? These contentment killers, they, 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 they come at one level, but that one level leads to the next level. Here is the first contentment killer. Help me, Holy Spirit, it is comparison. It's a contentment killer. It's a contentment killer. And y'all, let's just keep it real. Most of us compare clothes, but some of us compare spouses. Oh, God. And, and they're contentment killers. You ever stood next to somebody in line? You look at their shoes and look at your shoes. You look at their outfit, look at your outfit. Coming down your block. You look at their watch, look at your watch. And y'all, this is what drives some of us to the level of occupation that we're driven to. Some of us are working hour after hour, day after day, not because of something we need, but because of stuff we want. Comparison. But I tell you, it leads to, to other levels. So comparison then leads to competition. Ah, these are contentment killers. Comparison leads to, to competition. So then we begin to buy stuff. Ah, because somebody that we know bought stuff. And we don't understand why they got it, but we are fickle in our thinking and we get it because they got it. This movie called The Italian Job, really good movie. But 
the underlying principle is there is a gentleman in this particular movie and he ends up fulfilling his dreams with everybody else's dreams. And he is buying stuff that he doesn't even understand why he has it, but because there was somebody else's dream, he felt he had to have it. Watch the movie. It's profound. And y'all, some of us live that competitive mentality. Some of us change our hairstyles because some, mm, Lord have mercy. Y'all help me up in here. Some of us had to have the latest device, Stephen Brown, because we saw what somebody else had. Your contract wasn't even up yet. Come on, y'all. Somebody say competition. Comparison leads to competition. Then thirdly, and this is where it gets full-blown, that leads to coveting. That leads to coveting. Coveting is such a dangerous thing, y'all. Coveting not only says, I want what you have, but I don't even want you to have it. And so we start coveting, wishing, praying, hoping, laboring, doing our best to get it. I just got to have obsessive and so when I began to think about my own experience with this house I had to literally submit and surrender to the Lord put our house on the market and then Sister Brown got sick with Simone had to pull it off the market y'all do you know what would have happened? Watch this, y'all. If we would have got into the house of my dreams, and then went through a financial challenge like we went through, do you have any idea? See, we don't know how to thank God for the blessings we don't know how to thank God for the mistakes God God has kept you from making some foolish mistakes and you don't even have enough sense to tell him thank you Lord I thank you for the blessings but father I thank you for closing doors that I had no business going through in the first place. Thank you for blocking it. Thank you. So these contentment killers, these contentment killers fly in the face of the thematic emphasis of the whole book of Philippians. If I were to give you a theme for the book of Philippians, get ready to write. Here it is. It is living the Christian life. Living, living the Christian, the Christian life. And so Paul wants believers to understand holistically what it looks like to live the Christian life. So throughout this letter, 
Paul is writing to these believers at Philippi. He is addressing some major themes. Let me give you a few major themes. I want you to know I got my homework today. The first major thing that Paul addresses is gratitude. See, I'm, 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 I'm working my way to contentment, but it begins with gratitude. Somebody say gratitude. In chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, I thank my God every time. I remember you. Y'all, that's gratitude. That is thankfulness. Paul understands that we have to demonstrate appreciation for the goodness of God every chance we get. Some of us don't thank God effectively unless we're in a church on a Sunday. But when was the last time you woke up in the middle of the night God Almighty just looked around and, and saw the peace of God in your home and you just had to give God some. When is the last time you got up out of bed and just walked around your home? It's an apartment or whatever it is, it's yours. And you began to just thank God that I've got a roof. Oh, we don't thank God enough. And we, we compartmentalize it for thanksgiving. Let me tell you something. Every day is a day of thanks. Oh, God, somebody say gratitude. I'm trying to get you to contentment. Second major theme is joy. Oh, somebody say joy. Come on, say joy. Chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I always pray with joy in my heart every prayer for all of you. Then verse 18, the C clause, he said, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. We've talked about joy. That's that inner quality. It has nothing to do with circumstances but has to do with your connection with Christ. And based upon your connection with Christ, you understand circumstances may change about you, but, but what God has done on the inside cannot be touched. And for that, I got joy. Yeah, I lost my job. Yes, my relationship failed. Yes, I did not get the promotion. And no, I'm not faking the funk. I'm real. I still got joy. Is there a witness in the house that say, yeah, it ain't the way I want it to be, but I still. Why? Because this joy I have, the world didn't give it, and the world. I feel my help up in here. Gratitude. Joy. But I'm going to give you another major theme in Philippians. It is Christ-likeness. See, let me tell you something, child of God. We don't get to live like everybody else. Don't turn me off now. You were just shouting and hallelujah. You was running around in circles. Joy, joy. And then when the word of God communicates a standard with which we ought to live and operate by, listen, not just in public, but in private. Philippians 1.21, Paul says, For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Y'all, you can't lose uh, when Christ is at the center. If I live, I'll serve him. If I die, I'll see him. 
If I live, I'll work for him. If I die, I'll worship him. If I live, I'm going to do what I can to glorify him. If I die, I'll bask in his glory. Is there a witness in the house that's committed to living for Christ? This fourth one ain't going to shout y'all, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. You already know what it is. It's unity. Major theme of Philippians, unity. Unity. See, it's hard to be content. When you're discontent with everybody else. Oh, God. I'm here to, I, I, listen, listen. If, 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 if there is not unity in your interpersonal relationships, you're missing contentment. I got Queen Latifah in the choir talking about you and I-T-Y. Y'all pray, pray for the church. Pray for the church. Pray for the church. Pray for the church. Philippians 1.27 says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or whether I remain absent, I should hear. Somebody say hear. I should hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind by contending side by side for the faith of the gospel. I'm, I'm building the case for contentment, gratitude, joy, Christ-likeness, unity, these major themes they all point to contentment. So, in our passage, chapter 4, 10 through 14, Paul is essentially expressing extreme gratitude. But if you read it carefully, you notice that Paul never says thank you. Oh, God. Pastor, how do I express gratitude without saying thank you? Here's how he does it. By reminding the believers at Philippi of what they did. So that's, how, that's how he does it. It's the most profound and poetic way of communicating. He doesn't just say thank you to them. He simply catalogs and chronicles all that they did for him. And in the basis of what they've done, outpouring, outpours his gratitude. See, when he reminds them in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, for I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. What is that work? That work was of the giving and receiving of financial support for Paul. And Paul wants them to understand, I see what you have done and I'm going to replay it so that you'll know that I saw it. See, it's nothing about just being a cheerful giver. You got to also be a cheerful receiver. And so what that does, Stephen Brown, is it helps you to understand that folks ain't got to be nice. So when they are, the least you can do is to let them know that you noticed. Ah, so, so, so listen, he is, he is demonstrating his gratitude, but also in, in chapter uh, 4, verse 15, he says, And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Notice how the text is moving. Paul said, listen, I need y'all to know. 
Y'all have taken care of a brother. But I'm not writing you just to tell you that or to ask you for more. I simply want you to know, church, that I've taken note. And if I've taken notice, God has taken notice. So Paul is giving us, I'm almost finished, two critical themes, two critical points that will help us watch this experience Contentment. Let me give you the first one. Some of y'all are really, you ready for this one. The first lesson he is teaching is this. Consistent giving. I like that right there. That's, that's a word. That's a word. That's a word right there. Consistent, consistent giving. Mm, Mother Teresa, she gave an interview for Hello Magazine. And someone asked her in this interview, said, listen, is it only the affluent who give? And she said, absolutely not. She said, the poorest of the poor know how to give. So one day a, a poor beggar came to me and said, Mother, everyone gives to you, and I want to give to you as well, but all I have are these two pennies. Mother Teresa said, I thought to myself, if I take it, he won't have anything to eat with. But if I don't take it, it will hurt his heart so much. She said, so I took it. And he was so happy and so overjoyed because he had invested, he had sown, he had demonstrated what it looks like to be generous. Church, let me tell you something about this financial piece that we're dealing with as it relates to our financial freedom, our, our financial fitness. You got to give consistently. God bless you for your hand clap, Reverend. I, I appreciate that. Amen. As a matter of fact, help me, priests. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. They, 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 they didn't hear you. Just say, neighbor. neighbor. We, we must give, give. Consistently. consistently. Now, they tuned you out, so turn to your other neighbor. I got time. I got time. Go to the other one, the other one. Neighbor, neighbor. We, we must give, must give. Consistently. consistently. Hallelujah. Now, don't run out of here saying the preacher only want my money. I ain't said nothing about the amount. Because I know where some of us are. You gave once a year. And it ain't one of them annual gifts that a pastor likes to see. It was ordinary. Once a year. And you bust up in here week after week. They need to turn that air down. I'm... Is that light bulb out up there? Well, I can't really see this. We need some better projectors around here. I don't know. Yeah. Now look at the text, y'all. This, this is so, so profound. Look at verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, verse 10, because once again you renewed your care for me. See, there was a lapse that had taken place in their contributions, in their, in their giving, but they, they resumed, resumed giving once the lapse had passed. We don't know what happened. It's not even necessary because Paul does not rebuke them. He just, again, makes note of the lapse. Well, let me tell you something. 
lapses should not be the norm. Oh, God. I, yeah, it was, um, uh, somebody say consistent. Huh. 27 minutes. Hold on, Brandy. I'm coming for you. Hmm. When I understand consistent giving, I see the concern for the work and the worker of the gospel as a motivator. That's what's happening in the text. There was, there was concern. They were concerned, not just for the worker, but also for the work of the gospel. They wanted to make sure that what Paul did for them, he could have the resources to do elsewhere. And see, what happens to us, y'all, is uh, our concerns are askew. We're concerned about the wrong thing. Not only concerned for the work and the work is secondly, commitment to the partnership by pastor and people is paramount. Commitment to the partnership by the pastor and the people is paramount. Y'all, this is an exchange of both compassion and support. This is a partnership. And I would never ask anyone to do anything that I myself is not doing. And I sure ain't the wealthiest person in Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church, but I'm high up on the level of giving. You know why? Because I know how good God is. And I told y'all my mama gave me this thing in my head. Watch this. I have never given at the level of my income. I've always given at what, my, what I hope my income would one day be. It's commitment, y'all. But thoroughly, obedience to God's design for the support of his church. There you have both giver and receiver. This is God's design, y'all. We don't get to recreate how God supports his church. The church is supported based upon the giving of her members. Hallelujah. But the text is moving. Paul, Paul said, listen, now, now understand, look at verse 15, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. See, consistent giving earns credit in the kingdom. God, y'all better write that down. That's extra. That's, that's for free. Consistent giving earns credit in the kingdom. Paul said, listen, this is not for me necessarily, but I want you to be a partaker. I want you to be a partner. I want you to experience giving at such a level because every time you sow seed, the kingdom takes notice. Let me tell you what happened to some of us, y'all. We, we, don't, we don't sow seed. We are inconsistent at best. If I were to push the envelope, I was Dr. A. Lewis Patterson. He said a lot rougher than that. But we're inconsistent at best. And y'all, then we wonder why things begin to go awry. <sighs> Financially speaking, we want the blessings of God without obeying God with our finances. 
consistent giving earns credit in the kingdom. I got to keep going, but, but the text is moving. He says, but I have received everything in full, says Paul. And I have an abundance, verse 18, I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God, I'm going to shout right there, will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Consistent giving ensures God's provision and protection. Consistent giving. Now listen, you're not paying to play. You're paying based upon God's goodness. God takes notice and he protects and provides for you. I'm here to, I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to testify, y'all. I didn't get permission, but let me tell you something. I've told you many times. Sister Nicole lost her job last year. Yeah, they gave a little something to keep her quiet. But have you ever been in a season, y'all, where you watch those numbers get smaller and smaller? I ain't got no witnesses up in here. And despite everything you do, it just, it, mm. ah, ooh. It's like everybody, yeah, ooh, oh, ooh, ah. Savings account, ooh, yeah, mm, mm, mm. Checking account, ah, ooh, Jesus Christ. And I'm here to testify. When I was at my breaking point, now I kept it together in front of my wife and kids, but when I was at my breaking point, when I was like, all right, Lord, this, we about to completely run out. That's when the Lord said, I got you. <laughs> I ain't got no help up in here. But have you had your, had your back against the wall and, and there was nobody that could help you and you can't call nobody else because they worse off than you. And then God whispers in your ear, I got you. I'll take care of the mortgage. I'll, I'll take care of the condos. I'll take care of the after school expenses. And that's based upon the faithfulness of our giving. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's time, it's time. Uh, somebody say consistent giving. But the, but the second important lesson Paul is teaching is this. Content living. Get that down. Content living. Paul is teaching a key life principle to which most, if not all, of us struggle with. It's what he calls the secret of, commit, of contentment, content living. Paul says in verse 11, I do not say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a little. That sounds like grandma, don't it? Good God Almighty. Oh, God, that sounds like grandma, y'all. Y'all, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Y'all, my, my, my grandmother, Lord have mercy, rest, rest in peace again. My grandmother could take some leftovers. Yeah, I told y'all, that was, that was a time when my mom 
brother and me lived in the back of my grandmother's house. I think my brother even mentioned in his sermon. We lived in her back room. We had nowhere to go. And I would watch Ganny, again, take whatever was in the refrigerator. That's the low, that's the low. But then I, I, I remember, you know, when we did make groceries. And see, that, that's, that's the point, see. We can identify with this, with this passage because we understand what it's like at the first of the month. And then we know what it's like at the end of the month. Can I get a witness up in here? At the first of the month, you fill the tank up. At the end of the month, let, let me get $2 on pump number, number three. Let me get $2. That's pump number three. I didn't ask you how much it costs a gallon. Two dollars. Can I get a receipt, please? I've learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Let me give you these, I promise. Get ready, Brandy. Contentment is not willpower. It's not an act of the will. That's not contentment. You can't, you, you can't will yourself into contentment. This is why many of us keep failing. Contentment is Christ's power working through us. Look at how he stacks his argument. He says, I don't say this out of need. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed. Watch this, verse 13. I am able to do all these things through him. Listen, although Paul can say he's doing it, he understands that it is Christ doing it through him. So you got to give Christ permission to function at optimum level in your life. In other words, you got to get out of God's way. That's what surrender looks like. That's what submission looks like. That's when you say, God, I keep messing up. My finances, I keep, I, I, I keep doing it. And Lord, if you don't change me, I can't be changed. Contentment is Christ's power working through us. Thirdly, contentment is the independence from materialism by being totally dependent upon Christ's power. See, both consistent giving and content living can only be fulfilled through the power of Jesus Christ. Open with testimony about my mom. I'm closing with a personal testimony and declaration about where I am now. My wife and I, we're on the same page. 
we realize we need to make more of our resources available for the kingdom. So we started the process. Sister Brown got rid of her big SUV. And she got the SUV with just the, the decal. And I know y'all see me speeding through the parking lot. I'm getting ready to get rid of that thing too. That was my midlife crisis. Amen. It's hard understanding you're about to turn 50. But why did I get it, y'all? Why did I get it? Somebody said it. Because I could. Because I could. That's what we do, y'all. Because I could. Who going to tell me I can't? couple of other things I'm, I'm doing. So we're, we're in this major debt reduction thing. You see this right here? These things are literally soaking up our finances. Every two years you're getting another one. And, and listen, I, I, I am the biggest techno, whatever you want to call me, I got it bad. Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church, you bought me this cell phone. You pay for this cell phone. And beginning in December, I'm getting rid of this cell phone. Let me tell you why. This one alone, this is over $160 a month. And that's what yours costs too. Getting rid of this thing. I'm going to give you a new cell phone number that is a free cell phone number. Dave Ramsey said, sometimes you got to do some crazy stuff to get to where God is trying to take you. Before we give God praise, Brandy, 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 come up. Before we, We're going to celebrate in just a moment. But we, we're embarking upon a whole new thing. Pastor Brown is learning that I have to staff to my weaknesses. Amen, somebody. And so Miss Brandy is going to share a few things. Hope this ain't in your way. Come on in, sister. Come on, girl. You're going to use his mic. Are you taller than me? Did he really just ask that question? First of all, wow. Let us give God a high clap of praise. Um, my husband and I have, have had the privilege of being at lots of different churches while in our military experience.